0: Welcome to Evidence to Excellence, news in neuroplasticity and rehab powered by the Recovery Project. We want to personally welcome and thank you for joining us today. We're glad that you're here because this podcast is designed to keep you updated on what's new in research and evidence in the neurorehabilitation world. Now, here's your host, Polly Swingle, CEO and co owner of the Recovery Project. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Evidence to Excellence. My name is Polly Swingle, and I am your host of this podcast. So I hope that everybody had an awesome holiday. This is our first podcast back since the holiday. And here in Michigan, if you're from somewhere else, we are having a snow day. So we are supposed to get like a ton of snow today. So I'm truly not looking forward to that. But anyways, some people are pretty geeked about it. So today I have with me Megan Malley, who is our program director here at the Recovery Project. And what we thought today um, we would do is give you all an update on a program that we started last year um, in our stroke program. So we did an episode on our um, CSR program in June of 2022, and if you guys want to look back on it, it's episode 10. I'm going to have Megan here in a second kind of explain what that's all about, but we've been running this program, and we've been collecting some outcomes, and we really wanted to share with you guys um, what we're finding. So one of the reasons why we felt that it was important to develop a very specific program for our stroke patients, is because in rehab, especially in neuro rehab, you know, one of the biggest diagnoses that we see is stroke. Um, I can say, unfortunately, but we do see a ton of stroke. And just a little background, maybe for you guys that aren't in the medical field, that um, you know, some of the things that we're seeing right now is is typically stroke would be. Um, something that you would see in more of the geriatric population. But those statistics are really changing. We are seeing more and more people that are really under the age of 70 in their 60s, 50s, 40s and 30s that are having strokes. And usually there's two main causes of a stroke. One is an ischemic stroke, which is which is typically caused by a blocked artery. And the other is a stroke that can be caused from a blood vessel that has burst or is, or is, is leaking. So you have bleeding on the brain. Um, and a stroke when somebody has one can be really devastating. So there are just multiple, multiple type of signs that we see following a stroke, which can be motor loss, sensory loss, difficulty with speech, vision, swallowing, you know, dexterity of the upper extremity, utilization of of just using the upper extremity, impaired gait, impaired um, balance. There is just this huge list of what people um, can be suffering from after they have a stroke. Um, the neat thing is that there is a lot of evidence out there now of the most efficient and effective way to treat stroke. And those are some of the basic components, foundation, framework of the program that we develop. So let's kind of dive into this and give you guys some results of what we saw in our program. So, welcome, Megan. Thank you. Um, so, traditionally, you know, in a center like where we treat at the recovery project, we do have what we kind of call as traditional therapy for somebody that's had a stroke. So typically, that definition or what that looks like is people may come in for individual therapies, if it's individual physical therapy, occupational therapy, or speech therapy, where they may be coming in to see their therapist two or three times a week for we call this an episode of An episode of care. So it may be 8, 10, 12 weeks. So we decided as a company that there was a greater need out there. That yep, we were getting some really good outcomes with our, I'm quoting people, our traditional therapy. But looking at the evidence, we were like, what would it look like if we designed a program, and I'm going to use the word intense, comprehensive, that was more involved. So Megan, I'm going to turn this over to you and share, refresh the audience, why we developed the program, what it looks like, the components in the program.
1: Sure. So we developed the program, like you said, based on what we know about research and the latest evidence-based you know, based practice, but also because we saw a need with a lot of clients who were Really highly motivated and wanted more and wanted to optimize their recovery even more, um, but really didn't have a model for, you know, how to do that. And what we know about stroke rehab and neuroplasticity and the brain's ability to adapt and change is that the more we can kind of bombard the system and bombard the brain as, as soon as possible after a stroke and with as much, um, intensity, a higher dosage, a lot of repetitions, things like that, that it optimizes somebody's ability to recover from something like a stroke. So we use that evidence and developed this program since there's really not one out there. This was first just a pilot of looking at what a higher intensity program would be. And intensity meaning not just rigorous physically, but the dosage. So our program that we've first piloted in July is um, we started with this two-week program, five days a week, and um, it involves speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, also counseling, um, educational sessions for the participants and family. It includes group exercise every day to help just, again, emphasize the um, repetition and intensity and dosage of physical you know, activity and rehab, and mindfulness training. So we really incorporated what we know now um, regarding other ways that we can help manage um, stroke risk and manage chronic conditions, including um, meditation and diaphragmatic breathing and things of that nature. Um, And we decided to develop this in a small group format as well, which is another Unique piece of our program because we have seen the benefit of people being able to connect with others who are going through a similar situation. So that's what we piloted at the end of July, and had a really successful first run of that program. And so we have continued um, with this same model with some, of course, some improvements and tweaks along the way. And so we ended up running the program um, for several more weeks into the fall of last year. And now we have had a total of 10 participants complete the full two-week program. So, you know, I'm going
0: to interrupt you, Megan, because I want, you know, you talked about the evidence, you know, and the importance of dosage, which is which is huge. Um, you know, we are, and I would say here, we are very fortunate that we're a specialized neuro outpatient facility. And people that are involved in this program, we have some specific tools that we use to meet that evidence. Can you share with the group, like, what are some of the tools that people going through this program are being able to try, get involved with, to help with that neuroplasticity?
1: Sure. So we are so fortunate here to have the most advanced equipment, um, as well as expert clinicians who really have had advanced training and education on stroke rehab. But so what we combine is their expertise with equipment, such as we do a heavy utilization of functional electrical stimulation. So that is utilized in actually all disciplines, whether it is for motor recovery for the leg or the arm, or even using stimulation to help swallowing. Um, So In all of our disciplines, we utilize that. We also utilize a lot of specialty equipment to really work on gait training in a safe way. We have overhead harness systems. We have um, body weight support treadmills, things of that nature to really work on what we call um, forced intensity exercise so that not only does someone feel safe, but also we utilize an um, external device such as a treadmill to really push the repetitions, push the effort um in a way that we can't do with overground gate training for example um you know i know i
0: always think about vr too and i know mm-hmm. that the virtual reality system and there's many different models out there you guys um But, you know, using that tool as well has really been beneficial with that neuroplasticity of getting, um, you know, using dual task type activities. I know that our occupational therapy department uses the VR tool a lot to help Mm -hmm. with that neuroplasticity and recovery of the upper extremity, which sometimes can be one of the most challenging Mm -hmm. things when you have a stroke is really getting that upper extremity to get some movement back or get it functioning. So thanks, Megan. So I'm going to let you keep going because we do have some outcomes. And I want you guys out there to hear a little bit about the demographics of, you know, the type of patients we had that came into our program, as well as male versus female ages. And then Megan's going to talk a little bit about what we measured with all of our patients and what those outcomes look like. Go ahead, Megan.
1: Sure. So yeah, it's been really interesting to see who's actually gone through the program because um, not only was it completely split down the middle as far as men and women, five of each, but um, very interestingly, as you alluded to before, the age range has been quite um, staggering to see. And as as you said, w- there are more and more young adults having um, experiencing strokes. So Our age range for our participants was from 31 years old to 81 years old. So it's, you know, something where it's important to keep in mind that this program really can be beneficial for anyone. And although we have a really nice structure to it, the great thing is it's still very highly individualized um, based on, you know, that participant's um, medical history, based on what's important to them, what are their goals. Because not only do we need this mass repetition, but it needs to be meaningful um, to the person. So um, the average age was sixty-three, um, which again is you know fairly young. The older I get, the younger sixty-three yeah, no sounds. Kidding. I hear you. <laughs> um, so that was the average age, and um, slightly higher percentage of participants with a um, right-sided stroke versus left, but um, pretty even across the board there. So. Another um, factor that we looked at was what was the average time from when they had their stroke to when they participated in the program? And that was just over one year, so 12.3 months. So we had several participants who had a stroke within the last year, but we had a few who were several years out from their stroke. And so again, that's important to point out that although we know that brain change and recovery is um, greatest the sooner you intervene. But the brain's also amazing in the sense that you can be years out from an incident and still have have change. It might just be a little bit slower. So um, 12.3 was the average time from the stroke to the start of the program. So that's um, some basic demographic information that we collected from our participants. Um, and then as far as outcomes, we have been tracking a lot of outcomes because we really want to see... Um, to make sure, you know, that's this is effective and that what we're doing is actually yielding, you know, the outcomes that we're hoping. Now, I have to give the caveat that two weeks, even daily, we know is not going to be enough to just completely recover from stroke. So we like to set the expectations that our hope is that this really gets somebody going and really primes their their system to be able to have continued recovery when they're done. And we give a very highly um, specialized and individualized discharge uh, plan for each participant. But the outcomes we've looked at are in alignment with what we know are core outcome measures to really track um, progress for someone with a stroke and with a neurological injury. So in the PT department, we're looking at things like the 10 meter walk test for gait speed. We're looking at the five times sit to stand to look at functional lower extremity strength. We also are looking at um, balance, dynamic balance. So either that's the Berg, um, if somebody is looking at balance more for standing and transfers. If they're walking and ambulatory, we're looking at the functional gait assessment. And then for gait endurance, we're looking at the six-minute uh, walk test. So those are the main tests we're looking at the PT department, where the OTs have looked at the Fugel-Meyer for upper extremity um, function. They're also looking at the Barthel index for um, overall um, like ADLs and quality of life, and the box and block test for more of that fine motor dexterity. So, lots of outcome measures, and um, what we have seen is that there have been clinically significant improvements nice, in a lot of these. Nice. Yeah. So that's our hope, and um, you know we've had significant improvement in in most of these. As far as um, PT wise, almost every participant had a um, clinically significant significant improvement in one or more of these outcome measures, and. You Know everyone has shown improvement across the board, uh, but we're really trying to stay as research based as possible to say how much change is really clinically significant and meaningful. And we've seen that with the five-time sit-to-stand, we've seen it with the um, Berg and functional gait assessment, as well as six-minute walk. Nice, yeah, nice, nice.
0: Now, customer satisfaction-I mean, I know that's yeah. a silly question, but do they? I know that you also measure that. Has everybody mm-hmm. been? Pleased with the program? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. We did obviously want to make sure that we're assessing that too. And the feedback from the participants is, you know, one of the greatest um, pieces of information we can have. Because if we're seeing great, you know, outcomes, but people still aren't pleased with their experience, then we're not going to have a successful program. So every participant receives a um, survey at the completion of the program that they complete online and um, can provide feedback about every component of the program as well as things that they liked or wish that, you know, they experienced differently. So overall, every participant of the program has stated on that survey that they would recommend the program um, to others and that they've been very pleased with the program. We've also got some great pieces of feedback that have helped us make changes to make it a better experience for people too. Yeah. And I
0: was going to ask you that, like, you know, we are always continually trying to improve on the way we do things. So I know that, and you guys don't know this, but we have, we talk about this stuff all the time and have all these separate meetings. So Megan, share with people some of that feedback that we did get from our patients involved in the program and how you took that feedback to make some improvements in the program.
1: Sure. Yeah. So one of the, Pieces of feedback that has been, you know, very meaningful is just talking about communication with not only the participant, but their family, and how important that is for someone who's trying to really manage helping their loved one, maybe still raising children and holding down a job and all these things. And when we talked about the demographic as far as ages and having these people part of the program who maybe are still at a phase in life where their spouse is still having to work and having a lot of responsibilities, they're not always able to be here all day, every day for two weeks. And when we have so many people involved in this program um, from a staff perspective, making sure that we're all communicating well and on the same page is vital. So we implemented this really nice communication form that's in each participant's binder. They all receive these really great comprehensive binders and so that each day we can communicate through that form with family, especially if they're not here, and they can communicate back to us. Like, here's something we're noticing at home is still a challenge. Can you guys work on this? You know, things like that. So that was one thing that then we we implemented that after the pilot program and saw great um, success with it. Another important aspect, you know, and makes a lot of sense, especially when you're thinking about it from a patient point of view, is really... Um, discussing from the very beginning what we anticipate as a plan after this program. So while two weeks might sound like plenty of time for somebody to to be like, oh, we'll get to the plan at the end. For a family member, caregiver, who's trying to plan out what life is going to look like after that two weeks, we have learned that we need to start planning from day one about what's going to happen at the end of the program. And that might be dependent upon The patient's physical abilities, their um, insurance benefits, their motivations and what they're interested in, whether they are going to benefit from coming in for group classes or continue with therapy, things of that nature. So a lot of our improvements have been not so much on the intervention side we've always have been great about treating stroke but it's more about on communication and setting up expectations and just um, all being on the same page as much as possible you know and during the
0: program what i loved was having the counseling sh- sessions mm-hmm. so share with the people out there so i know that individually people are with a pt and ot or a speech but when they participate in the program, they do things as a group. Mm-hmm. What are some of those yeah. group activities where they're together either with the other people participating in the program or with other family members?
1: Yeah, so we intentionally have set this up to run at least two, two to three people at a time through the program so that they get those individualized PTOT and speech sessions. But the counseling, the mindfulness training, the education, and group classes, they're together in a small group. Um, and that can include family if they'd like to attend. And the benefit there is really that psychosocial benefit of being with other people that are going through something similar. We know that there's higher rates of depression and anxiety, loneliness, all these things when you've had a stroke or you have a chronic medical condition, and then you put on top of it the pandemic and all these other things, Um, potentially inability to return to things you enjoyed like work or social activities. So that's been a huge... um, piece of feedback that people have really enjoyed that. So although it's in a group, it's a very small group, so it's still intimate. So like the counseling sessions, for example, are twice a week. The first week, it's just those two to three participants meeting with a licensed clinical social worker. And then the second week, we invite their families to participate. And it's you know, just the tip of the iceberg being four counseling sessions, but it's at least to introduce it as a resource available and to get people to start feeling comfortable talking about things like how the role in their family might've changed if, you know, one participant was a young mother, you know, of, of young children and how that's impacted, you know, her identity as, as being a caretaker of her family or, um, talking about, issues between family members, how to communicate, you know, a spouse might be really um, frustrated and need support. I don't know how to communicate with my partner who's having speech deficits. Yeah. So the really great outcome we've seen that was not necessarily anticipated was people wanting to continue with that after the program. So whether they've asked for resources to find another counselor in their area or continued on telehealth with our counselor after the program, um, that's been nice to see. So people can continue to have that resource. And it's really what the goal of the program was not only motor recovery, but really improving quality of life for people. Right. And, you know, I know that after the two
0: weeks, People are wanting to continue with skilled therapy, and, mm-hmm. and, and many, many times it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. But we give them or introduce them to these tools where, you know, there's some group exercise classes or really spending that extra time of that education so that the participants can understand the importance of after this two weeks, this isn't it. We saw this amount of recovery, so you need to continue at home doing A, B, C, and D at this intensity, at this frequency, to continue to have that neuroplasticity.
1: Right. And that's that's a challenge for sure because, you know, we all are part of a society where we want like quick fixes yeah. and want to be able to like, you know, just take this pill to make it better. And we know that stroke rehab is really takes a lot of work. And it's not over after these two weeks, of course, but we also want people to be able to continue their recovery while also trying to live their life and not thinking they need to be in therapy yeah. every day. And so some people do still need, you know, therapy or coming in for kind of tune-ups yeah. at regular intervals. But we've also developed, like you said, group wellness classes geared towards people with strokes. Um So they can exercise, have that benefit of being with other people, having it be engaging and fun and something to get out of the house to do, um, but doesn't feel like you're just kind of chained to coming to therapy for the rest of your life. Right, Right. Yeah, right.
0: So how, if anybody out there is listening and wants to get involved in the program, is there a process? I know, I know the answer to this, but I want (laughs) you to share with the group, you know, how can they look at how to sign up for it, or even a little bit more information on the program. Sure.
1: Yeah. So you can definitely get more information by going to our website, which is therecoveryproject.net. Right on the home page, there is a bright blue button that says, you know, learn more, you know, click here to learn more about our two-week concentrated stroke program. And then you can get some additional information on that page. Um, and There is a brief application that just takes a few minutes that asks some, you know, questions about how someone is doing, what kind of things they're challenged with still, what are their goals. And there's no obligation from filling out that application. What's nice is taking the time to fill it out will then trigger a phone call from me. And I personally touch base with every applicant to really see if it's a right fit for them. Obviously, we would love to have, you know, um, a long wait list of participants coming in. But we also want to make sure is this what you want and what your expectations are of the program. So we talk through all of that. And if it sounds like a right fit, um, we move forward with just verifying that we accept your insurance and get you scheduled.
0: Right. So just so everybody knows out there, yes, we bill your insurance to make sure it's coverage for that traditional or that skilled therapy of PT, OT, and speech, but there also is a fee.
1: Right. So there is a one-time program fee that covers um, the additional components that we aren't able to bill to your insurance provider. So the group classes, the counseling, the mindfulness training, the education, the comprehensive binder, and also it includes um, personalized electrodes for all of that functional electric stimulation that we utilize. So all of those things are wrapped up in the program fee that is four hundred and ninety nine dollars as a one time fee, and um, the rest we do bill to insurance. So you know we we want to be able to accommodate as many people you know as possible. So there have been situations where, if say for example we're unable to accept your insurance for speech therapy and you don't have a lot of deficits in that area, Um, we don't want that to be a barrier. So we still have accepted people into the program for the PT and OT component. So, you know, bottom line, if you're not sure if it's something you're interested in, you want more information or you're not sure about your insurance, you can always fill out that application and we can talk through it together. Perfect,
0: perfect. Well, since we are talking about stroke rehab, And this is a podcast, Evidence to Excellence. I wanted to share with you guys out there um, two new FDA-approved treatment approaches for stroke. Um, And I'm going to share with what I know and... what is available in in Michigan, since I am talking from Michigan. But also, I know that we have many, many people that listen to this podcast from all over um, the world, that you can at least Google it and see if that's available in your area. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is that in August of 2021, the FDA approved a um, vagal nerve stimulator for stroke. So let me give you a little background on what this is, if you're not familiar with it. So what the FDA approved is a um, system and it's called the VIVI system. I'll spell it for you V I V I S T I M, which is a vagal nerve stimulator. So, if you're not familiar with this, what this is, it's a drug free rehab system that is intended to treat moderate to severe upper extremity motor deficits following a stroke. So Would this device work on other motor deficits? I can't answer that from what the FDA release is saying. The FDA did authorize using this type of vagal stimulator for upper extremity deficits. So just to make that very clear. So if you're not familiar on um, what this looks like, is basically it is a very, very small surgical procedure. Where there is a wire, a stimulator, there's a very, very small incision that is made. Typically, they do it on the left side um, where the vagus nerve is, and they put a stimulator, a wire right over that vagus nerve. Then you have this other device, it's kind of like a pacemaker device that you would just put over that stimulator, and the healthcare provider, so that would be your therapist or your neurologist, would then turn on this device, and you would have the stimulation of the vagus nerve. What this FDA approval for this system is not just using the stimulator, but in combination with active rehab. So that means in combination of working with your OT or your PT and working with the vagus stimulator. So, um... Basically, there, there was a lot of studies out there, guys. If you want to Google this, there were several studies that, that they looked at the recovery of the upper extremity with people that had the vagus nerve stimulator and people without. And it was clinical meaningful um, a difference in showing that people had greater motor response of neuroplasticity in recover of using this vagus stimulator. Now, this type of approach... Of stimulating the vagus nerve has been around for almost a decade where they have used this type of intervention for people that have chronic anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, bipolar. Um, And we can get into that later, but we did do an episode a while back on the autonomic nervous system and the vagus nerve and how we can deregulate that to help with anxiety, depression, so on and so forth. But now they are showing that this is also an approach that can be used for upper extremity recovery. Now, I did a deep dive here in Michigan to find out is any of our major healthcare um systems doing this surgery yet. Unfortunately they are not yet. But since this was just approved really in last quarter of 2021, what I'm hearing through the grapevine that there are um, many, many neurologists that are working on getting this available, at least in the area that I work. But definitely, um, you can Google this. I know that in New York City, they are doing this already, but you can kind of find a little bit more information on your own. So that's one thing that's new and pretty exciting. Um, And as soon as we start seeing this type of thing in Michigan, we will absolutely, I can tell you right here at the Recovery Project, we will definitely be educated and be able to see patients with this type of stimulator. So the second thing that came out that is showing a ton of evidence in stroke rehab is transcranial magnetic stimulation. So I'm going to explain to you what that is. It's a non-invasive approach where it's called TMS. So TMS, again, is non-invasive technique for stimulating neurons in the cerebral cortex through the scalp that is safe and very, very minimal discomfort. So basically, there are electrodes that are put on your scalp, and it is a program where they send impulses basically in through the scalp into your brain. And what it's doing is it is deregulating the side of the brain that is healthy, so had no deficits from the stroke, and it is regulating, it is increases the impulses on the side of the brain that was damaged from the stroke. So what's interesting with this technology is this is something that a individual that's had a stroke would be utilizing at home once or twice a day doing nothing. So you can just be sitting in a chair and there is a program that you put this system on. Then after that, it is a recommendation that you are involved in active therapy to get some of the neuroplasticity from using this device. So again, we're not seeing that in our area right now, but we are really seeing a lot of research out there that this TMS, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation, really is an up and coming Modality that we're going to see that people can utilize at home, then with a combination of, you know, rehab, can get improved neuroplasticity. So, pretty exciting things. And as I learn more and more about what's out there, what the evidence is showing, we will absolutely share it with you guys. So before we say goodbye today, just a reminder that again, if you want additional information, our website is therecoveryproject.net. You can also follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. We post a lot of educational things. um, So it's great for patients, family, other healthcare providers, students, anybody that's interested in this field. So I want to thank everybody for following us and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's Evidence to Excellence News in Neuroplasticity and Rehab podcast. We appreciate you and hope that you come back every fourth Tuesday of the month to get more of what's new in evidence and research in the neurorehabilitation world. To learn more about The Recovery Project or to find out what we're up to next, you can visit us anytime at therecoveryproject.net.